Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Just wanted to share this morning, we started a series a couple of weeks ago with Ian Kennedy, uh, The Unshakable Life, and we're spending the next number of months just discussing what it means to establish and to build a life that's built upon the rock, the solid foundation of Christ Jesus. And we're going to be looking this morning at Jesus Christ as Lord. Everyone say, as Lord. Lots of people see Jesus as Saviour, and they're right, but we've got to come to the point where we not only see Jesus as Saviour, but we see Him as Lord. So we're going to look at what that means this morning, but wanted to start with the text of Scripture this morning. Oh, by the way, too, can I get out of the digging on Saturday? Please? Can I be like a coordinator? Could I be the drinks boy? Would that be all right? We'll, we'll keep talking about that. Scripture here in uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, 46 to 49, has pretty much been like the foundation for the series that we're embarking upon, week two being today. It says this, Jesus speaking, quite challenging words. And this morning I make no apologies from the very beginning, the very outset. I believe it's going to be quite a challenging message for us this morning. But it says this, Jesus speaking, says, Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. And when the stream broke against it, Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You know, I love the parable that Jesus is, is, is making mention of here because really it's a parable of our lives. It's a parable of, 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 of how we are called to live, that we, that we are called to live and to build a foundation in our lives, a foundation upon the Word of God. And, and Jesus draws a distinction there between a life that is built upon the foundation of the Word of God and a life that is not built upon the foundation of the Word of God. And he says that one will be be unshakable and the other one will be shakable. And I believe this morning that, 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 that through the Word today that God really wants to challenge us about what it means to build our lives upon the Lordship, upon the foundation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We want to look this morning at what it means for Jesus, not just to be Saviour of our lives, but to also be Lord of our lives as well, because there is a huge difference between Him being Saviour and Him being Lord over our lives. And we want to start with the question this morning um, about, about leadership. Have you ever played that game uh, Simon Says as a kid growing up? We might have played that game, Simon Says, or there's another game uh, called Follow the Leader. And uh, pretty much for the kids that were going to turn into tyrants, they'd love that sort of game because they get to tell people what to do. But, you know, today in our society, uh, we really struggle with the thoughts of people being lords over our lives or masters or, or having to obey in our culture and in our world today, especially in our Western culture. We really struggle with the thought of someone being master over our lives. And to some degree, it's it's because of uh, a corruption. It's because of a lot of the stuff of authority that people get placed in a position of authority and then they do the wrong thing. For example, when we were in Vanuatu, uh, we arrived there, uh, excuse me, this year in August. I was with Dave McDonald and Scott Williams. We were there and there was a big buzz going on in the city. And it was all about the fact that there were 16 politicians that were in authority but now were being charged with corruption. And 16 of them were charged with corruption and we're now waiting to be sentenced in October. 
And we heard that the prisoners were all waiting for all these politicians to arrive in prison because they were going to give them a joyous welcome. But I don't know if you've been watching the, the media recently. While the Prime Minister of Vanuatu had been away, the acting Prime Minister overnight offered himself and 13 other of these charged politicians a pardon. Get that. So overnight they went from being charged with corruption and overnight were pardoned by the acting politician. I don't know about you, but that is so, so corrupt. And we've got to be praying for the nation of Vanuatu. But the reality is that often there are times where we can really struggle with a sense of authority in our lives. In fact, there's a mantra that many of us speak today, and it goes like this. It says, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my own soul. And we can struggle with the thought of Jesus being Lord over our lives. But I want to say today that Jesus is got to be, has to be, not just Savior of our lives, but He's got to be the Lord of our lives as well. In fact, in Scripture, there's a, a moment where Jesus spoke to His disciples and, and uh, they asked, He asked them a question, and the question was this. He said this, Who do people say that I am? Not a bad question. And they came back to Jesus and said, Some say you're a great prophet. Some say you're a great teacher sent by God. But then Jesus changes a little bit and goes on with another question. And he says this to them. He says, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's a tremendously insightful question. And I believe it's the same question that Jesus is asking us all today. Who do we say Jesus is in our lives? Who do we say that He is in our lives? Because who we say that Jesus is in our lives will determine how we live our lives. Amen? If we just see Him as our Saviour, then I believe that we'll live a certain way. If we see Him as a good teacher, we'll just live a certain way. If we see Him as a good moral um, communicator, then we'll live that way. But I believe that we need to see Jesus as Lord of our lives, not just Saviour. And there's a huge difference between Him being Saviour and Lord in our lives. So we want to look this morning at three questions. Who is Jesus? The second one, what response should we have? And the third one is this, and we're going to spend the last part of our time looking at that. How should we respond? But the first one is this. How, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Many people believe Jesus was a great teacher, a prophet, a social activist, a revolutionary, a moral example, and so on. And the reality is that there's truth in all of those questions. But I want to say the thing that sets Jesus apart from all of those things is this. He is God. He's God. Have a look at this scripture here in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Listen to it again. God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Jesus is both Lord and Christ, Master and Messiah. And listen to this thought here, the, the word Lord translated in the Greek, kyrios, crazy tennis player. Uh, no, it's actually translated kurios. This is what the word Lord means here in the New Testament. And Jesus is referred to as Lord so many times in the New Testament. But listen to the definition of the term Lord there, because this is who the, the Word of God describes Jesus as, who Jesus is. It says this, the Greek word is described as it means owner, master, or ruler. 
It carries the idea of someone without absolute power and authority exercising rights and ownership. Thought this morning is this. Is he Lord and master to you? Because to answer that and how we answer that has radical consequences. We can say he's our saviour, but often we stop short of saying that he's Lord. Is Jesus your Lord this morning? Is he your Lord? Or is he just your saviour this morning? You know, like just pin my hope on one day that if I'm, I get to heaven, that he'll, you know, the, 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 the red card, the green card, the, you'll be right. I believe that Jesus has got to be more than just our saviour. He must also be our Lord. And in the New Testament, time and time again, Jesus is referred to as Lord, Master, Ruler, someone that has ownership over our lives. And I believe, number one, we've got to see Jesus for who He is. He is Saviour, but He's also Lord of all. In fact, there's an old Pentecostal saying, if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Where'd that Pentecostal saying come from? That's an old school. If He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Jesus, we've got to see Him. And how you see Him this morning will determine the way that you live. If you only see Him as your Saviour, you'll just pull Him out when you need Him. We're not intended to live that way. We're meant to see Him as Lord. In other words, He's the Lord over all of my life. He is my Master. He is my Ruler. He is my King. He's above me, and I am meant to honour, serve, and be totally obedient to His words and His will for my life. But many Christians today struggle with the concept of having a master over their lives. This morning, He's our master. This morning, He's our Lord. This morning, oh, we don't like the thought, He's our ruler. We're meant to live under total obedience to who Jesus is. So first thought is this, who is Jesus? He is Lord and God. Amen? He is Lord and God. We cannot separate the fact that Jesus is not just the Savior of the world. He is the Lord of all as well. Amen. So first thought is this, who is Jesus? He's Lord and we need to see Him that way. Second thought this morning is this, what is our response? What we think of Jesus determines our response to Him. In other words, for the thought is this, if we see Him as a great teacher to us, then we can marvel at His wisdom and try to put it into practice and those teachings may appeal to us if we just see him as a good teacher. Or if we only see him as a moral example, then we really uh, should do better than following his example and treat others as we would like to treat. Uh, listen to this thought. A Jesus like that stops short of having any claim to our lives, and so we continue to be our own master and our own messiahs. We don't like the idea of having a master or a Lord over us. But look at what the book of Colossians teaches about Jesus in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. It says, Therefore, as you will receive Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up, built up in Him, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. But listen to this there. How did they receive Jesus? Therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ, the have we received Him as our Lord this morning? Big question. Our response should be, yes, we've received Him. 
The above verse, verse here shows that it's important to receive Jesus as Lord, not just Savior. In fact, the notion that we can receive Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord is delusional, totally delusional. If Jesus is God, then worship and surrender to Him is not only appropriate, but absolutely and totally necessary that we totally surrender to Him. So listen to this thought here this morning. So what does a life with Jesus as Lord look like? So we want to spend the last few minutes this morning then looking at what does a life that surrendered to Jesus look like? I think it's a scary thought this morning that, that, that many Christians today have received Jesus as Savior, but they haven't necessarily received Him as Lord, Master, Ruler, Commander over our lives. Because we struggle with that. But I want to say this morning before God, that's exactly the position that we're meant to put Jesus in. He's not only the great Savior of the world, He's the great Lord, the great Master of our lives as well. And we're meant to live that way as well. So what does it look like this morning? How should we live and what does it look like if Jesus was meant to be our Master and our Lord? And I want to share a verse of Scripture with you this morning. It's not by any means a popular text. It's not by any means a, a GM up, this will all bring them to Jesus text. In fact, it's quite a confronting text. And there's three things that we want to draw out of this, these verses of Scripture that I believe will help us to understand how we should live as Jesus as Lord of our lives. Not Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as Lord of our lives. So open up your Bibles this morning. I'll give you a minute to do that. Luke chapter 14. And verses 15, give you a minute just to have a look. Luke chapter 14, depending on what verse of Scripture, excuse me, what um, translation. Don't use the message, that'll mess you up. <laughs> or the Living Bible, that might mess you up as well. Or the Amplified might be a little bit as well. Let's keep it old school this morning. New King James Version, or the, or the what do they call it, the almost incorrect one? I forget that one, but anyway, you know where we're going with it. Luke chapter 14, I want to look at these, this verse of Scripture this morning because it helps us to understand how we should live who is Jesus we saw this morning he is Lord and God no no question that he's meant to be commander and ruler of our lives he's the master he's the Lord of our lives what is our response meant to be well it determines how we seem as to how we respond but lastly this morning how should we live? Verse of Scripture, verses uh, 25 verse through to 33. I want to read it to you this morning. These are these thoughts this morning. Lord, before I read this this morning, I just pray that these words, Lord Jesus, that continue to echo through eternity would capture again our hearts this morning. That, Lord, if... We need to come to a place of repositioning our lives so that you are Lord of our lives. Then speak through us today as we share these great words. It says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. 
Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king uh, in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks him in terms of peace. Listen to this. Everyone say, so with me. So, so therefore, any of you who does not renounce all, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Confronting truth from the Word of God this morning, church, isn't it? Confronting truth from the Word of God. But I believe that we're living in a day and an hour where we need to be confronted by the truth of the Word of God. More than ever before, the time that we live in, we need to be confronted by the truth of Scripture. We need to allow that Scripture to be smacked dead in the middle of our minds and help that to affect our hearts and the way that we live. But confronting words out of the Scripture there this morning that talk to us about how we should live, and there's three thoughts there, three responses that I believe that come out of the, these texts there about how we are meant to live this morning. First one is worship. The first response to Jesus as Lord is He becomes the ultimate love of our lives. Listen to that there in verse 26. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So the first response from that scripture there is, number one, worship. Jesus is meant to be the love of my life above everything else and everyone else in my life. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. He's not saying that we're literally to go and hate our mother and father. No, not at all. That, that's not the message. That's not the intention of what he's saying. He's not saying that we're meant to hate the good that's in our lives, like our mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. But what he is saying is that we're meant to put him as first priority above every other relationship in our lives. He said in order for us to do that, that is the only way that we can be his disciples. So in the first thought there, the first thought of worship is this. Jesus is meant to take first place in every relationship above every other relationship in my life. He's meant to be above my relationship to my wife. He's meant to be above my relationship to my mother, to my father. He's meant to be above the relationship to my children. Jesus is meant to be number one in the list of priorities in my life. He's meant to be first place, first priority. And that's what he was teaching us there about worship. So he's saying to them, you know, in order for you to be a follower, to be my disciple, I must become number one in your life. Number one in your world. This morning, is he your Lord? Is he our Lord this morning? Because he needs to be. So the first thought there is worship. The first response to Jesus as Lord is he's become the ultimate love of our lives, the ultimate love of our lives. The second little thought out of there, number two, is the cost. Jesus uses the illustration again of a building, uh, warning again uh, against making hasty decisions to follow him. And, you know, listen to that there, warning about uh, making hasty decisions to follow him. I wonder often today in our salvation, please, in the church today, do we really warn people enough about the seriousness of the decision they're about to make? Because I understand from that scripture there, Jesus says, don't even start to build the house unless first you've counted the cost. 
But the cost is the second thing that he speaks about. Are you getting anything this morning? I hope so. The second thing is the cost. Jesus used the illustration again of building. The cost means to bear our cross. To bear our cross. Jesus was saying in order for us to follow him, we must deny ourselves to pick up our cross and follow him. Um, in our day to day, a cross is more of a, a funky fashion icon. You see the, the mega stars. You see the, the rich and the famous. You see them with their big cross on. They might have a wooden one. They might have a gold one with diamonds in it, etc. It means nothing to them, but it's a funky thing to wear. Yeah? says something. doesn't say anything all about their relationship with God, but it just says they've got this funky thing on. And today we've taken the cross and we've made it a bit of a funky icon that people wear around their neck. But in Jesus' day, the word taking up your cross was a despised thing. Taking up your cross and denying yourself had a hugely different meaning back then that it did today because the cross represented a place of death. Jesus is saying we're meant to take up our cross, deny ourselves and follow him. I think many believers today still have a lot of the old life that we delve into that God's wanting us to put to death. The second thought about how do we really serve him and love him as Lord is that we're willing to pay the, pay the price, to pick up our cross and to follow him. Listen to this thought here. Picking up our cross means putting to death any other masters or messiahs in our lives that are above the priority to Jesus being Lord in our lives. I love that boat. Dang, I love that boat, Alex, eh? Over the weekend, I'll go out there two or three times and just stare at it. Just look at it and go, gosh, that's a nice boat. Nice shape. Just love it. Get it on the water. You know, the Jeep ads? I'm probably a bit like that. Love the boat. But you know, the reality is, for whatever we love in our lives, the things that we might, you know, just really have a, a great joy in, if Jesus asks us to to get rid of those things, to put those things aside. If he said, Shane, I want you to sell the boat and give the money somewhere. Oh, hope he doesn't do that. I seriously hope he doesn't. I would be upset for a while, huh? But, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that we're talking about this morning, about him being Lord. But if he said to you, I want you to do this, even though it might be so close to us and, and, and so dear to us, we've got to be willing to pick up our cross, deny ourselves in order to be able to follow him. But too many people today, too many followers, too many people that call themselves Christians today have so many masters and messiahs in their lives that corrupt their relationship with him because Jesus can only be first in our worlds. He can't be second in our worlds. He won't work if he's second in our worlds. He won't, he'll have a little avail to you if he's second in your world. He needs to be number one. So the second thought out of that scripture there is the cost. Jesus wants us to be willing to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. And thirdly, the last thing this morning is this, finally, to surrender. To surrender him. Our lives should be continually surrendered and obedient to Jesus, renouncing anything that would get in the way of, being, of Him being first in our lives. 
Listen to this. Verse 33 of that scripture says, So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. What does that look like today? I'd say it'd probably look pretty much to the way that it looked there as well. Renounce all. It doesn't mean that I just go and give all of my <laughs> all of my money. Sounds like I've got a lot of money. <laughs> give all of my money away and my boat and my car and my house and all that. I just renounce it all. No, 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 no. No, 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 it doesn't, doesn't mean that. It means this, that none of that stuff, the car, the boat, the house, the good things, all the stuff that I have ever takes the place of the priority of Jesus in my life. As soon as any of that stuff becomes more important to me than my relationship with Jesus, I've failed the test of being able to surrender to Him. Amen? For many believers today, we've got all this stuff that's become the master and messiahs of our lives, and we wonder why we can't surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. So therefore, anyone of you that does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And the caution is this this morning. We must steer clear of the two opposite errors when it comes to obedience. The first is this. The first would say, obedience doesn't matter because I'm saved and forgiven. Yes, it does. The second is this. I must obey in order to be saved or stay saved, but most reveal dis, dis, uh, disdirected motives. Listen to this, what the gospel shows us in obedience to Jesus in John chapter 14, verses 15, it says this. This is what obedience is. The gospel shows us. He says this. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you to do. That's obedience. That's surrender. You will do what I've told you to do. In other words, it comes back to who or what we ultimately worship. Because we worship Jesus and live in gratitude for His grace in our lives, our hearts and desires are to please Him by obeying Him. Do we always get it right? No. But our heart's desire should be to keep on loving Him and obeying Him. And I'll conclude if I could have the keyboard this morning as we get ready to conclude. Amen. God, this morning from each of us, is not wanting obedient perfection. Because none of us would be capable of that. But listen this morning, this is what he's wanting. God is wanting perfecting obedience from each of us this morning. Every day, every decision, every choice, every commitment should be out of a sense of perfecting obedience towards Jesus. Amen? And I don't know if you're like me, more than likely you are, but I've found that over a process of time, we can allow the creepers to get into our hearts and into our minds. 
we just allow things to creep in. Little bit by little bit, they creep in. And before you know it, we've gone from a perfecting obedience to, oh, well, Jesus, do I really have to go to church? If we even have to ask ourselves that question, there's a problem, isn't there? But we allow stuff to creep into our hearts, little things that can get in there and they start to distract us. They start to take us away from that point of Jesus being Lord of our lives. My prayer every day is, Lord Jesus, help me not to be distracted with the things of this world so that I can continually come back to that place of you being Lord of my life, whatever that may be. And you know, for me, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that I'm asked to do and I get to do and it, and it can appear to be like God's stuff and and. and kingdom stuff and all that but you know what I've found we can get that busy that we can slip away from doing all good things and it can affect and rob our relationship of keeping Jesus first priority in our lives so this morning amen is he saviour or is he lord my prayer this morning coming here and I didn't pray it just over our church and over my life I prayed it across our whole city Father we want the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to come and settle upon us as churches today that was my prayer this morning I was driving here Lord we can share the word we can do all that but without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and that's my prayer for us this morning as a people I'm not here to condemn anyone or we just want to come back to that first scripture in Luke chapter 6 about building an unshakable life. An unshakable life is built upon the foundation of, of Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. If He's Lord, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You, you can have people that look like they've got it all together. Their lives can fall apart. You can have other people that don't look like they've got it all together, but they're hooked on Jesus. Their lives remain strong. It all comes down to our relationship with Him. Could we bow our heads this morning? If you're here today and you've never, or if you're here today and you've made some decisions that have taken you away from Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life, and you're here today and you'd like to ask Him, and you'd like to surrender your life to Him today and make Him the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life, then while I have to bow and eyes are closed this morning, if you're here this morning, you need to reconnect with Jesus. You need to connect with Him. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, would you raise your hand this morning just quickly so I can see it today? Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? There are people here today. Don't struggle with God. Surrender, amen? Surrender. Anyone else this morning? Here this morning that just needs to make that decision. If you're here this morning as well, and before God in His great word this morning, and you know, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I'm going to ask you to signify before God by raising of your hand. But if you're here this morning, and this thought about Jesus being my Savior rather than Jesus being my Lord, and you know today that He's not your Lord, He's not your Master, 
but he needs to be. You believe in him, but you still have yet to surrender to him in areas of your life while heads are bowed and eyes are closed before heaven today. I want you to raise your hand and say, Jesus, help me today for you to become master of my life. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Others as well. Don't, res- don't wait to respond this morning. Now's the opportunity for the conviction of heaven this morning to really speak to us about that. Really speak to us about that this morning. Really speak to us, God. We just thank you for your love for us this morning. We thank you today. Bless you, Lord. Just let me read this verse to you this morning. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has, she has, cannot be my disciples. Are there things that have creeped into your heart this morning? Let's pray together, amen. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we can never stop thanking you enough for what you've done for us. We can never stop realizing the great price that you've paid for us. And Lord, today, we just surrender to you. We thank you that you're our Savior. But as a people today, right across this city and beyond, we just choose to make you our Lord as well. That you are our master, you are our leader, you're Lord over all in our lives. And again, we just surrender our lives afresh to you, afresh to you, willingly wanting to surrender, willingly wanting to pay the cost, willingly wanting to obey you today, Lord. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning for your great love, your great love. In Jesus' name.